0: I want you to know this morning that this is going to be a two-part message. Um only one. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. This is going to be a two-part me- message as I was looking at that at this this morning I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get through this whole thing and we have the uh we have the uh, business meeting following the service for our church members. And so uh, I am uh, going to break this up into two parts uh next week i was going to be finishing up, finishing up the abc's of money that will be 2 weeks from from now and uh but we will finish up this um, love and marriage message this week and uh as i share with you this morning i want to say to you that i am one of the leading experts when it comes to love dating romance and marriage, <laughs> all right? Why do you laugh? <laughs> and uh, I can prove this by sharing with you uh, my first kiss. It's been a long time since I shared this story, but um, yeah, my very first kiss. It was uh, in the 10th grade. Now, yeah, I'm probably a slow learner in your eyes, but uh there was this girl in the youth group that uh, I was um, head over heels infatuated with. Okay, I won't say love. My wife is here this morning. I was infatuated with, and uh, the fair was in town in Fresno. And so I invited her to go to the, the fair with me. And that took a whole lot of courage. I mean, I was sweating bullets, and I was shocked that she said yes. She said yes only if. We can go with my aunt and my uncle and cousins. Well, if that's what it was going to take for her to go to the fair with me, I said, okay, so be it. So uh they picked uh, me up at the house. And so here's this Ford Falcon, you know, and so... Two of her girl cousins are in the back seat, and, uh, and Donna's in the back seat, and I squeeze into the back seat, so uh, I, I don't know if there were even seat belts at this time, but uh, here we were crammed in the back seat, and we went to the fair. And uh, all night long at the fair, I was thinking to myself, oh, I really want to hold her hand. And I didn't know that cheesy pickup line, you know. Oh, your hand looks heavy. Can I hold it for you? Uh, You know, I wish I had that line. But she wanted to get on the Ferris wheel. Now, you have to know me. I don't like Ferris wheels, okay? Ferris wheels scare me to death. But I didn't want to look like, you know, some... some. um, uh, scaredy-cat. So I said, she She said, you want to go on the Ferris wheel with me? And I said, sure. And then here was my pickup line, okay, for holding your hand. I told her, you know what? I'm really scared of Ferris wheels. Do you mind if I hold your hand? And she said, not at all. And we held hands, and uh, boy, the fireworks were going off. On that Ferris wheel, we got off that Ferris wheel, and we kept holding hands throughout the rest of the evening, and it was wonderful. It was magic. And then it's time to go home. And uh, again, we're squeezing the back of that Ford Falcon, and all the way home, I'm thinking to myself, boy, I really want to give her a kiss good night. And uh and so here we go back to our house and we're sitting in front of our house and the family is waiting for me to get out of the car and I'm just thinking to myself how am I going to give her a kiss good night and it was a very awkward long moment and so finally I said to myself at the count of 3 I'm going to turn my head and give her a peck good night, a kiss, hopefully on the lips good night. And so here I am, I'm counting one, two, and it's a long, it's much longer than three seconds, two and a half, two and three quarters, and finally I say three and turn my head, Close my eyes and give her a kiss, what I thought was gonna be on the lips, and I kissed her on the back of the head. <laughs> and in retelling that story to my wife, you know, and, and, you know, how, how jealous she's becoming years later, she says, uh, you know, you didn't kiss her on the back of the head, you kissed her mustache. <laughs> no, she didn't have a mustache, but uh so that is my first kiss experience. And so I'm coming to you this morning, you know, as an expert in this field, okay? So pay attention closely. But uh no, in all seriousness, we we want to um to honor love and marriage. You know, scripture has a great deal to say about love and marriage, and there's a there's a verse I want to focus on this morning that uh, reminds us that it's all of our responsibilities to um, lift up um, the institution of mar- marriage and hold it in high honor. In your outline this morning, it's Hebrews chapter 13, uh, verse 4. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all. You know, I I just kind of assumed that that verse was in relationship to those who were married and your marriage in particular. But that's not what the writer is saying. Let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled. Church, we all have a responsibility to hold in high esteem the marriage relationship. And not just your marriage, but the marriage of other couples in this church, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. We are all ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And marriage is a sacred and holy institution that, that Paul describes as a mystery, as a picture of the gospel. And as believers, we are to hold that in high esteem we're to teach our children the importance of this institution and if you're a single parent this morning raising your children and uh and uh, you know the the difficulties that that marriage that broke apart has been in your life you still as a single mom or dad or to hold that institution of marriage in high esteem. You can teach them the mistakes that you made and know that even though you have made mistakes, you know, God wants to use that in your life to be a ministry in your children's lives so that they don't encounter The same things, but you still hold high that institution of marriage. Help them to make good decisions when it came, comes to dating, courtship, engagement and marriage. So how do you do that? Well, number one, in order to hold marriage in high esteem, Number one, you must esteem your marriage as highly valuable. Highly valuable. You know, from this verse in, in Hebrews chapter uh, 13, verse 4, it says you need to avoid infidelity. That your love The priority of a loving relationship is reserved for your spouse. That your spouse is worth investing in your marriage relationship. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 12, verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You've heard the expression, Expression, home is where the heart is. Well, your marriage relationship needs to be your home, your treasure, where your heart is going to reside. And you need to value that relationship. You need to value that marriage in high esteem, which means keeping your vows. You know, it's amazing to watch um, um, couples stand at the altar and repeat the, um, the the words to the person that they're giving themselves to, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish till death do us part. We like the health part. We like the wealth part. You know, we, we like the good times, the mountaintop experiences. But where those vows really become meaningful, significant, is when life isn't rich. When life isn't easy. When there is sickness. I have been the, it has been my privilege to have been this, the pastor of this church for nearly, um, 15 years now. And, um, There have been some couples in our church who understand how significant those vows are. I think of Mary Piper and her husband, Earl. I didn't know Earl in his good days. Uh, I knew Earl when he was going through Alzheimer's disease. He had significant dementia. And those last few years of Earl's life were really, really difficult. And Mary was his caretaker. And Mary loved her husband, cared for him to the very end. She lived those vows. When Earl couldn't live those vows back to her, she continued to live those vows to him. I think of um, Don and Leela Labonte. Don was going through Alzheimer's disease. And the last few years of his life were very difficult. But Leela loved her husband to the very end. Many of you know Glenn and Aline Payton. Uh, Aline is suffering from Alzheimer's disease now. And what a beautiful picture of those marriage vows. As Pastor Payton Tenderly loves his wife. Well, it's so difficult to care for him. She is, he is by her side constantly. He continues to bring her into public. She doesn't know a soul. The only person she knows is Glenn. And she, he means the world to her. And when she's done with the public, Pastor Payton understands, and he gets her home. But it's, it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Jesus loved us. God loved us when we couldn't, when we didn't. Love Him. Those marriage vows are critical. And so one of the ways we hold marriage in high esteem is that we hold our own marriage relationship in high esteem. Not just to our spouse, but to our children, in our church, because it's a picture of the gospel. That's where our heart is to be. And the second way we hold marriage in high esteem is that we need to esteem every marriage. We are the backup singers to others' marriages. And that's what I'm going to focus on this morning. We're going to be looking at the Song of Solomon this week and next week. And uh, Sol- Song of Solomon is a, is a book. It's eight chapters long. And it's a beautiful melody of love, of romance, passion, intimacy between King Solomon and his bride. But there is a third party in this uh in this book, uh Song of Solomon. And the third party are the backup singers. And as you read through uh the Song of Solomon, uh you'll find people referred to as friends. And these friends are helping support this this marriage relationship. And we see uh, these backup singers, these friends, in verse 4 of chapter 1. They say this, We will exult and rejoice in you. We will extol your love more than wine. These backup singers are advocates for the marriage relationship. They're not just for the husband or for the wife. No, they are for the couple. They are there to fully support the cu- couple. And there's a there's a moment in the book of the Bible where the bride is losing hope. And the backup singers are there not saying, oh, your husband, he's a real creep. He's a loser. You should uh, you should dump him for somebody else. No. They are there supporting the relationship. Let's find him. Let's go get him. And we'll look at that next week. But they are backup singers. My question to you this morning, when it comes to your marriage relationship, do you have good backup singers or bad backup singers? What's what's an example of a bad backup singer? Bad ba- backup singers uh, bring discord into your relationship. They say things like, oh, you should have never married him. She, he, he's he's never going to change. You've tried everything and I think it would be best to just end the marriage. Do you have those kinds of people in your life right now? Those are bad backup singers and those are not the kind of backup singers that you see in the Song of Solomon. They're good backup singers and good backup singers say things like this. You know, we believe Jesus breathes life into dead people and we believe He breathes life into dead marriages. There's hope. You hang in there. Don't lose hope. Let's keep praying for your marriage miracle. Have you looked into marriage counseling or a marriage intensive? That's what good backup singers say. Or number three, why don't the two of you come over for dinner? And let's see what we can do to help you through this. So I don't know what's happening in the background of your marriage. But if you've got negative background, background singers, you need to turn, turn, turn down the mute button. You need to hit the mute button, okay? And you need to look for couples who will encourage you to hang in there uh we just started uh, a premarital counseling um, uh Nathan and I well, no we're not going through premarital counseling but uh we're uh, in, we're sitting down with uh, uh Russell and, and Caitlin they're getting married this summer and um, what was i going to say about that oh uh one of the persons on the tape was saying you know it, it, now he's been married like uh, for 35 years now he said this you know i wish i could go back and tell the young me to hang in there because over time it's only going to get better the best is yet to come and they have a wonderful marriage after 35 years but he but there were difficult times times where he didn't know if they were going to make it or not and he wanted to go back. He wished he could go back and remind the young him that to hang in there. And I could say that for my life, for our relationship in the early years of our Susan and I's marriage, married relationship, there were some difficult times. Those early, those first one or two years, they were really tough. I wish I could go back and remind me. You know how special it was going to be 33 years later. God is good. And we need people in our lives that are going to encourage our marriage relationship. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Do you have those strong, Backup singers in your marriage relationship. You need them. And church, we all need to be good backup singers to the other marriages in our church. Who are you listening to today? So, five ways to be a great back, background singer, backup singer. And, uh, and again, I'm just gonna get you through the first two this morning. Uh, the first is this: honor your child's marriage by picturing a special future. Honor your child's marriage by picturing a special future. Doctor Doctor Kevin Lehman says this about uh, raising raising children. He 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 says. Uh, that we need to dream with them about what our 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 children's future spouses are going to be like. Uh, I didn't do a very good job at this, particularly with my, my girls. I'll get into that in a moment. But uh, think of it this way when it comes to dreaming, because this is the way I reacted too. You know, I think every girl comes home and tells her daddy, mommy and daddy, I want a pony. When my girls came home and they told me that they wanted a pony, you know what my response was? You don't want a pony. You have a hard enough take take time taking care of a hamster. You know? You know, a pony, that is a whole lot of responsibility. Think of the dog. You don't even go outside and pick up poop after the dog. And you want a pony? I just kind of shut that dream down. You know? Suppose your daughter came home and said, Daddy, I want a pony. And you dreamed with them for a moment. And you thought to yourself, you, you talked out loud to them, oh, wouldn't it be fun to have a pony? think about taking the pony to school, you know, and letting all your friends pet the pony, you know, during class during school you could see your pony outside side by a tree and you could wave to it. And uh you know there would be so much fun having a pony, but I didn't dream in those terms. You know, I kind of shut that dream down. And when it came to boys you know i was kind of one of those dads who kind of shut the dream down you know i had i had an agreement with my girls when they were 3 years old that they weren't going to marry until they were at least 30 years old and they both agreed with me but they 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 reneged on that contract uh as teenagers, and uh, you know, you know when it comes to, and, that, and that's how I react as a father., yeah, I'm just being transparent here. You know what it come, come to my comes to my boys finding a girl. You know, I'm all for that. you know, I want them to find that special person in their life. But with my daughters, you know, I'm a little bit more protective. And, uh, you know, I don't want them to fall in love with somebody else. I, I want to be their their number one guy. And, uh, and that was especially difficult with our first daughter, Allison. Allison has always been interested in boys. You know, here I was, a youth pastor, and I was teaching the teenagers about uh, love and relationships and da- dating, and I was encouraging fathers, you know, I was encouraging fathers to be affectionate with their daughters. I had read somewhere at some point where uh, I know it was James Dobson, it was Kevin Lehman, it was uh, uh, Dawson McAllister telling dads dads, if you're affectionate if you're affectionate with your daughters from a very early appropriate affection from a very early age, you know there's not going to be the need in their heart uh, for boys uh, early on and so I took that to heart, but it never worked with Allison <laughs> you know I was totally affectionate with allison but Allison has all, was always interested in boys. When we sent her off to kindergarten, kindergarten, she came home that day and she told her mother and I, I like a boy. And Arturo, you're going to love this one. Allison said, he's Mexican <laughs> And it's been, it was that way, uh, throughout her school days. When, and when she was getting into junior high and high school, you know, she was liking boys and, and she always liked the boys who weren't like me. Okay? The kind of boys that were a little rough around the edges. You know, I would get the hair, the hair would come up on the back of my neck. I thought, man, how is this all going to turn out? And I was stressing over it. But then one day she met Patrick. And Patrick was just like me. (laughs) And life was going to be good. You know, when I first heard that uh, Allison was uh, going on a date with Patrick, her mother and I asked, Ask her, you know, what kind of boy is this, or you know, or something about, uh, you know, you know, be careful about about your date. And Allison Allison told oh, it's just Patrick. <laughs> but uh, Patrick has been a wonderful um, husband to our daughter, to father to our grandchildren, and um, but you know. When Allison chose to get married, you know, Allison's whole desire in life was to, um, she didn't want, really want to go to college. She just wanted to be a full-time mom. In elementary school, they would have career days. Allison would dress up as a mom. And she'd get be, be, get made fun of by her peers because she didn't want to be anything beyond a mother. But that was her whole goal, goal in life. She just wanted to be a mom. And so when she was, uh, 19 or 20, when did she get married? She was 20? Nine, nine, not 19 years old. She comes to us and says, well, Patrick asked, uh, Allison's hand in, in marriage. You know, that was a hard pill to swallow at that point. Nothing against Patrick. They were just so young. And, uh, but she wanted to get married. And so I said yes, thinking, you know, that it was going to be a couple years of engagement. They wanted to get married 12 weeks from that date. 12 weeks. But the reason why they wanted to get married that quickly was because of Susan's parents who were very ill and they didn't have much much time left to live. And she wanted them to be at her wedding. And by the grace of God, they both made it to the wedding. But I had never sat down and dreamed with with Allison about her future sp- spouse. After all, we had an agreement that it was going to be thirty before she got married, and. You know, I wasn't able to speak a blessing over her marriage, uh, on that wedding day, just between her and I. I wasn't prepared for that moment. I didn't get to go dress shopping with uh, Allison while she was uh, picking out her wedding dress. It was just something between her and her mom. And so, You know, the first time I saw Allison in her wedding dress was the moment before I was about to walk her down the aisle. And when I saw her in that wedding dress, I lost it. And you know what Allison said to me? Dad, get a grip! (laughs) (laughs) And so I had to hold this all in and uh i have never you know typically when i stand before people i'm kind of used to speaking in public but walking my daughter down that aisle was um, i had i had knots in my stomach i had butterflies i was so nervous typically when you see a father walking uh his daughter down the aisle they're beaming like solomon and ratna were doing with marilyn I wasn't beaming. If you see her wedding pictures, you know, I look miserable. I looked like I was going to lose it. And because I had never prepared for that moment years back. And it just threw me for a loop in that moment. Don't let that be you. For Emily... Praise God, she's given me a little bit more time. I've seen Emily in her wedding dress, and she looks beautiful. Um, now she did throw me for a loop, though, uh, in the high school years. See, Emily and Allison—they are—they are polar opposites, having grown up. Allison, she liked boys. Emily, she didn't want to have anything to do with boys. And so I didn't have to worry about boys as she was growing up. You know, I thought she was going to live to fulfill that commitment of not getting married till she was 30 years old. But one day, when she was a junior in high school, she threw me for a loop. She said, Dad, I like a boy. I said, what? You like a boy? That's not you? I asked, well, who's his name? What's his name? She said, Joseph. I said, who's Joseph? See, I just thought there were just only girls in her class. You know, she was never interested in boys, so I didn't figure there were any boys. But there was this boy named Joseph. They had been going to school at ICS since kindergarten. And now it's her junior year. And I don't know who Joseph is. But I want you to. I made sure I got to know who Joseph is. And I couldn't have picked a better man. For my daughter. Um, to spend the rest of her life with. Than in Joseph. Just as Allison has Pat. And I want to be prepared. I want to be able to speak blessing over my daughter's marriage relationship before I walk her down the aisle. Moms and dads, you need to dream with your children about their future spouse. Now, I've done that with my boys. Didn't do it with my girls. Kind of left that up to their mom, but I've done it with my boys. And the way the place we've done it together has been fishing in my boat. When they were getting of the age where they were going to start liking the opposite sex, we started talking about those feelings and how they need to be um, treating. A woman of the opposite sex. And we had those difficult conversations. I loved having those conversations. My boys didn't like having those conversations. But I did. And when we were fishing, I made sure to bring up those conversations. One, because I had a captive audience. They couldn't go anywhere. And two... Because every time I brought up that conversation, I'd catch a fish. And so I made sure I brought it up frequently. And I think that's why I burnt my boys out on fishing. Or at least if they do go fishing, they like to fish from the shore so that they can get away from dad. But they couldn't in the boat. But moms and dads, it's important that we dream with our children about their future relationship. This is what Solomon did in Proverbs chapter 5. We're not going to read all of Proverbs chapter 5, but I want to encourage you to, to read all of chapter 5 sometimes later. And I want, I want you to imagine Solomon sitting on the edge of his bed with his son talking about these things. Look at 5, verse 1. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. Jump down to verse 15. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow into the streets, your streams of water in the public of squares, let them be yours alone and never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated By her love. Why be captivated my son. By an adulteress. Why embrace the bosom. Of another man's wife. For a man's ways. Are in full view. Of the Lord. And he examines all his paths. The evil deeds. Of a wicked man. Ensnare him. The cords of his sin. Hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Mom and Dad, you have a sacred responsibility to hold high, esteem marriage high in the eyes of your children all the days of your life. Be transparent. You're not perfect. You make mistakes. But you need to show your children that the flame burns bright in your marriage relationship. Okay, I told you I was going to be transparent this morning. Susan's probably going to die. I got Susan a Valentine's present um, this week, and uh, uh, I love text messaging. <laughs> and uh, we've got this group in our family right now. It's a uh, and I I labeled it the Insiders. And when I went and got Allison her or Allison Susan her Valentine's present, I took a picture of the um, of the bag. From Victoria's Secrets. And sent it to my kids. (laughs) The insiders. And I did it. Just to let them know. That the flame still burns bright. To not be ashamed. Of their sexuality. And that God can keep it burning bright. And to hold high the institution of marriage. And those kids' lives. The second and last for this morning will be number five. We'll get back to two, three, and four next week. If we're going to exemplify, hold high the marriage relationship, number five, we need to honor the one who exemplifies love. And that is Jesus. Friends, Jesus needs to be your loudest backup singer. Because Jesus knows what love is all about he exemplified love by sacrificially laying down himself for the church and it is a picture of what your love relationship needs to be to each other yes i know the bible says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. But before we come to verse 24, you know what? In verse 21, it says that we need to mutually submit ourselves to each other. And we can't mutually submit ourselves to each other if we don't know the one who knows what love is all about. We must honor Jesus in our marriage relationship. We must honor Him. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. You have it in your outline this morning. Very quickly, I want to read read from Ephesians 5, beginning with verse... I want to begin with verse 19 or 21 or verse 19. The last part of that verse says, Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about singing this morning. God wants your marriage relationship to be a beautiful melody unto Him. It starts with the person of Jesus Christ. Then verse 21 says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 22, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body of which he is the Savior. Now as as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. And there may be some wives here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I can't possibly submit to my husband. Pastor, you don't know how he treats me. And you're right, I don't. But if you are honoring Christ in your life first and foremost, he is going to give you the grace, the perseverance, the strength to submit to your husband. And that's your responsibility, to submit to your husband. For the husband, his responsibility is to love you back. Not when you're just submitting to him. No, he's to love you unconditionally like Jesus loved the church. Paul has given the wife three verses. Paul has given the husband nine verses. And let's look what it says. Husband, love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blem- blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. who He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Love is far more than a feeling. Sometimes you don't feel like it. Love is a verb. Love is not something you wait for and that you you, you pursue on a feeling. No, love is a commitment. Love is an action. Even... Christ didn't feel like laying His life down for us. When He was in the garden praying to His Father, sweats of blood. If there's any other way, Father, that I can pursue Your will, let this cup pass from me. But if not, Lord, I am Your servant. And Jesus laid down His life. He was committed. Committed to His Father's will. He was committed to us. And maybe commitment alone is holding the two of you together. Hold on to that commitment. Be faithful to your spouse. But as you are loving your spouse committedly, you know, submitting yourself to them even though you don't want to, loving them when they're not loving you back. Keep doing that and keep trusting that the feelings of that relationship are going to come back into your married relationship. God is faithful. And I don't know how many years that you've been married. I remember those first couple years for Susan and I. We had to go see a marriage counselor. And I wish the me today could have talked to the me back then. Just said, just hold in there. Hang in there. It's going to get better. God wants to do that in your married relationship. And as we honor the person who knows what love is all about, Christ is going to be that blessing in your marriage. We're going to pause in just a moment. We're going to sing a song. If you're here this morning and if you don't know Jesus, that's the beginning point of God doing a transformation in your marriage life. Christ isn't forcing Himself into your life. He is waiting for you to make the the decision to respond. And when you respond to Him, He will give you the power and the strength to love the others who matter most in your life. Do you know Jesus this morning? We invite you into a relationship with Him. For others of you, you're Christians, but you're struggling. Honor Christ. How much... Has Jesus loved you? How much has Jesus forgiven you for? You know, for a lot of spouses, we've got our spouse, we've got our other half on the hook. We've got our list of things that they've done wrong, and until they rectify these things, I'm not going to forgive. How much has Jesus forgiven you of? How much has Jesus let you off the hook for? Allow Christ's love to erase the list that you hold against your spouse. Start over. Love your spouse like Jesus loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity we have to hold high the institution of marriage. God, we live in a day and age where marriage is under attack. And even though that there's a lot of things that we can feel hopeless about in the terms of marriage, Lord, there's a lot of things that we could be hopeful for. And the first and foremost is, God, you created it. You believe in it. And it's never going to go away. And you call us as believers in Christ to hold high this institution. To highly esteem it. God, help us to do that. In the eyes of our spouse, In the eyes of our children. In the eyes of our church. Our neighborhood. Our workplace. Right now, mom and dad, I'm going to ask you to do something really cheesy. Would you just take your spouse's hand... And thank God for them. Ask God to help you. Make marriage what it needs to be. God, I pray that you would restore broken relationships here or i pray for those single moms and dads who may be under a lot of condemnation this morning having heard this mer- this this message god at the cross you set us free from all our guilt, and our shame. and Father, You have given moms and dads the ability to speak truth, to speak life into their future children's marriage relationships. Thank You, Father, that Your grace... Your forgiveness, Your love covers all our sin. May our love for our spouse let them off the hook. Father, prepare our hearts for the supper this morning as we worship You in Jesus' name.